0: Well, I'm excited to continue our series. Uh, we, for those who are new, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we're right towards the end. And, uh, John, I really appreciate you preaching last Sunday. I can tell that wasn't your first time. So, if you don't know John, he's a founding pastor, so he's he's been around a little while. But great message, I was watching it online. Uh, my family, we were in Maine on, on vacation, uh, suffering for Jesus at the beach, so... Someone's got to do it. So it's like, all right. It was really, really, really good. But I remember from watching John's message on, uh, I think, on YouTube, uh, last week, John was sharing about uh, false prophets, and Jesus was giving the example of the two trees, and for those who are here, you'll remember, but um, about good trees bearing good fruit and bad trees bearing bad fruit and being able to tell the difference. And as I was reflecting on that uh, yesterday, then this morning, I was just doing my, uh, my quiet time out on the porch I saw a tree across uh, from where I was sitting um, that I think we'll be able to put up on the screen that looked really dead. Here we go. Yeah, this is right across from where I live. And I was talking to uh, one of our neighbors, and if you don't know this, we have some of the best neighbors in the world. Uh, Glenn and Beverly Yord are actually our neighbors, which is awesome. So I was talking to Glenn, and he's like, hey, yesterday, he's like, you know this tree's getting cut down? And I was like, nope, but that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you look at this tree, there's not a lot of life there. And then I looked at one of the trees this morning, and actually in the Ewart's yard. They don't know I'm using their trees in the sermon, but bam, I saw this, and I was like, that looks like life, right? (laughs) Like, don't cut down that tree. But I wanted to give that visual as I was just starting, because what John was sharing last week about false prophets, false teachers, today I'll be reading about what Jesus was sharing about false followers. And so as false prophets or teachers are having influence in different places, it's highly potential there's going to be also false followers. Those who claim to follow Jesus externally, but their heart truly is far from God. It is possible, I think we could agree with this, that it's possible to be close to Jesus, but not actually close to Jesus. Amen? You can be close to Jesus, but not actually close to Jesus. And I want to share this really, I'm going to summarize this parable, because this isn't the main passage. In Luke 15, 1 to 2, Jesus said this, I'm going to paraphrase the parable, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. This is Jesus. And the Pharisees, those are religious people. And all the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. If there's ever a label you want to get, go for this one. Have the religious people say, you receive sinners and eat with them. Are you with me? Right? That's exactly what Jesus got called. May, may religious people get confused by how much you are loving sinners and caring for them not saying that their sin's okay, but letting them know that there's a savior that died for them, his name is Jesus. Let the world see you and my, our actions that we love sinners and we eat with them. So that's the context. And so then Jesus gives several parables. I love Luke 15. You haven't read it recently? Go read it this week. Parable about a lost sheep. Parable about a lost coin. And then the one that's probably most well-known is the parable of the lost son. And this is summarize it real quick, um, is Jesus shared this story about a a father and his two boys. His younger son decided that while his dad was still alive, he wanted his complete inheritance while his dad's living. And his dad gives him that inheritance. He goes off to a far-off land. He just squanders it on wild living. Later on, you see that he spent it on just craziness, prostitutes, just living for himself. And that's what he did. Eventually, he runs out of money. Uh, He also runs out of those friends, probably, too, that were hanging out with him. And he finds himself so hungry that he starts eating literally what pigs are eating. And for Jewish culture, you don't even associate with pigs, let alone be eating what pigs are eating. So he's fallen to like the lowest place you probably could go. But then he remembers man, my dad has a lot of hired workers back at home, servants that they're they're well fed. You know, I'm just going to go back and see if I can be a servant in my father's household because I've ruined everything. I pretty much said, Dad, you're dead to me. I I, uh, treasure your inheritance more than your presence. And uh, so he's going back, and many of us know the story. He's going up, and he's thinking of his whole script, you know, standing against God, sending against, like, just make me a higher servant. But I love this parable because it always shows that the father was just looking for the son to return. And he wasn't looking for him, so that way he could trash him and condemn him and be like, you are that wicked younger son that took the inheritance. Aha, you got what you deserve. Probably what the son thought maybe the father might say. But when the father saw his son, he ran to him, and he celebrated because his son who was lost was now found. The one who was dead is now alive. And then he went and threw a whole barbecue celebration party. This was not what the son was expecting. Amazing. But then if you go in the second part of the story, typically most sermons focus on the first part. The second part, and if you remember the two audiences, we have the sinners that Jesus is talking to, but then you also have the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, and honestly, the second older son, is honestly describing them well. And the older son comes over to the father in the parable and he's just like, dad, how how can you do this? Your son, not my brother, but your son comes home and you just give him a huge party? What about me? Have you even forgotten about me, thought about me? And he was so upset that the father would love his brother, right? And Jesus finishes that parable by showing that my son was once lost but now is found who was once dead. And is now alive. And he mentioned before that, that all I had was always yours, but you never really entered into that. And I was thinking about that last night as I was praying about this message, because it's possible to be close to Jesus, or in this case, close to God, but not have the heart of the Father. Are you with me this morning? The older brother, his brother came back. This is a time to celebrate. And he's talking about these religious leaders, your brother. Your brother and, or your brothers and sisters who have gone astray, who have become sinners, like all of you, they, they're coming back. I found them. Let's celebrate. And instead of being all celebratory, it's like, uh-uh. Now, do you know the kind of sins they did? you know what kind of living they did? They don't deserve your love. They don't deserve your grace or your mercy. And honestly, none of us deserve God's grace, right? It's only because the unconditional love of God that we see in Jesus. It's possible to be close to God, but far from his heart. And Jesus, as he's ending the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at, we have, uh, I think, next week actually is our last week in the Sermon on the Mount, but he has four cautions. Uh, two weeks ago, he was talking about the two ways. One way, that's really easy. It's like a highway. leads to destruction. And there's also a narrow way that leads to life, and very few find it. And then John mentioned last week about the two trees, talking about false prophets. Today, we're talking about two claims. Next week is two builders, but they're cautions, and they're things that we want to take seriously because Jesus is bringing this as a reality that could even impact us today. So we're talking about false followers who claim to follow Jesus. We don't want to be that. At <laughs> least I don't want to be that. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, it's just a couple verses, but let's check it out today as is Jesus talking. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day, that's referring to like the judgment day, but on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And you'll be surprised maybe, I was surprised at what Jesus said to this. And 23 says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I showed those pictures up front at the beginning, uh, the trees and the false prophets from last week. It's possible, and Jesus is making it, it's possible to follow Jesus in a superficial way, right? In a way of like, uh, I see what that person's doing. I'm just gonna copy it. It's not because I have a relationship with Jesus or I'm following him directly, I'm just doing things that other people are doing. Or maybe even copying things that Jesus said, but I'm not doing it from the overflow. Like John 15, if you abide in Christ and Christ abides in you, you'll bear much fruit. That's an overflow. I wanna make very clear, just as we're looking at this, we are not saved by good works, amen? I'm just gonna say that on the front, because if you're hearing this and this caution, you might think, oh man, if we're gonna go to judgment one day and Jesus is judging me and I'm not doing the things of the will of the Father, you might walk away thinking, I gotta do more good things, otherwise I'm getting kicked out of heaven. Now we're saved, we're saved by grace, and Jesus is making this point in the Sermon on the Mount that he's come not to abolish the law and the prophets as we saw in Matthew five, but to completely fulfill them, and that we should feel, and as listeners, completely inadequate for ever having the righteousness that Jesus is asking for, apart from Christ. And so Jesus is giving this caution. There's false prophets last week, now there's false followers. Those who would want to say, Lord, Lord, I was looking up in the commentaries, there's kind of two different directions most commentaries go. One is looking at the word Lord, and a more just like teaching, human, like a human level, like teaching, or in other uh, gospels, might use the word rabbi, like, hey, teacher, teacher, like lightly. But others have also said, hey, this could be also like the post-resurrection kind of like future coming of like, wow, you are Lord, Lord. We sang it this morning, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty in heaven. They worship Jesus, the angels do, 24-7, all the time. So, Lord, Lord. You know, you could have two different ways of maybe looking at this. But the idea here is that there's this lip service going on, whether it's with a low-level version of the Lord or high-level, that's kind of like, I'm just hoping on that judgment day, I can just say the right things. Lord, Lord, right? Or teacher, teacher, uh, savior, rabbi, whatever. As if that's some kind of like get into heaven, Right? card for free. If I say the right words, I can just get in there. Not because my life is made new, I've been saved by grace, I have new life in Jesus, just going to say the right words. Uh, Jesus is not happy with this. (laughs) He's like saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not just a lip service game to Jesus, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is not looking for confessing disciples, but obedient disciples. Amen. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I do this or say that or whatever. These looking ones are obedient, not to just do whatever they want so somehow they think they can trick God into heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. It is so important for us, those who are following after Jesus, to spend time with our Heavenly Father every day, amen, in prayer. How else, uh, this whole sermon series is called Kingdom Come. How else can we see the kingdom come God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven if we're not spending time with our Father in heaven. and scripture, says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing in heaven. And we can't just come up with that on our own unless we're spending time with our Father who's in heaven in prayer. And then we are obedient to what our Father shows us. Examples of those who are close to Jesus but not close to Jesus. Unfortunately, this one person gets a lot of focus because he was one of the 12. Uh, the 12 disciples that were following Jesus, they're just like regular fishermen, tax collectors. There's nothing really actually that special about them, except that Jesus chose them. But you might remember one of the followers, his name is Judas, right? Judas was like the treasurer, the accountant of like Jesus' ministry, and yet he was corrupt. He would take money off the top of offering and gifts, and he would take it for himself. Even so much so that when Jesus went out to betray, or Judas went out to betray Jesus, all the other disciples thought he was just going to give money to the poor. He was faking everyone, right? Even the other disciples were like, three years of doing life with this guy, and he's fooling people. Like, you get false prophets, you can get false followers. But Jesus knew the whole time what, Jesus, what Judas was up to, and yet he still loved him. Even on the night as he was getting closer to being betrayed, when he washed his disciples' feet, he washed all of them, even Judas'. Judas is an example of someone being close to Jesus, but with a heart far from Jesus. He traded Jesus for 30 silver pieces. And as we know from a bigger perspective, God chose to die on the cross. Judas wasn't greater than God. but He was walking in that obedience Jesus was. And Judas, unfortunately, was the one who treasured money more than God. It's possible to honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from God. Matthew 15, 1 to 9 says this about the religious Pharisees and scribes who were very bent on making their traditions commandments. It says, Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father and mother, must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what would you have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you had made void the word of God. Woo, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, right? But their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's pretty strong language, right? Wow. Their lips honor, but their heart is far from God. God is after our hearts, not just our lip service, right? He wants our hearts. And from our heart, our heart is in Proverbs like a wellspring of life. That's where everything comes. If God has your heart and has given you new life, there's Jesus Christ spiritually being reborn, there is an overflow that's beautiful that God's prepared for us for good works to walk into. So this message isn't like anti-good works. It's just that good works by themselves doesn't relate to actually having a real relationship with Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Essentially, it's relationship versus religion. Religion is work-based, and relationship is all based on grace. It's an overflow. Jesus gives examples or shares about those who are actually doing some pretty cool stuff, I would think. Uh, Verse 22, uh, do we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Do many mighty works in your name? So here's these these folks that are doing things in the name of Jesus, but obviously Jesus knows the heart. They're not truly following after him. And there's examples of this in Scripture. Mark 9, 38, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. One of the examples I was looking at. Acts 19, uh, verses 11 to 20. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists overtook, overtook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over all those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaimed. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva, maybe? I'm not sure. We're doing this. But the evil spirits answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the men in whom was the evil spirit leaped on him, mastered all of them, that's all seven, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. (laughs) Wow. There's some crazy stuff that happens in scripture, right? Those are trying, like, oh, I see what Paul's doing, I'm just going to do the same thing, but not actually through the power of knowing Jesus, and you see the demonic just completely reversing. There's a difference between following Jesus completely from our heart, soul, mind, and strength versus just using lip service and having a veneer of religiosity, a veneer of following and obeying Jesus, but in reality, nah. I remember uh, just a couple of days ago when I was in Maine, uh, <laughs> uh, we were I was renting a house with my brother and his family, and there were some, some rules, like you got to clean the kitchen when you leave, uh, put out the trash on Tuesday, that kind of thing. And then one of the rules I thought was silly was, uh, I just thought it was comical. I'm like, does it even need to be a rule? Was uh, there was like this balcony that overlooked the living room. And it's like, you can't throw things off the balcony. I was like, are you wasting ink? Like, why would that ever be a temptation for anybody? Um, and so we told our kids, there were seven kids there, and the little ones, eight and under. And we're just like, can't throw anything, right? And then uh, I have to be on the balcony one day. And I'm like, oh, I had this urge to throw something off the balcony. And so I had his hat on. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to hit my nephew, Dan, like in a loving way, not like hit, like float a hat over and land on his head uh, from the second story. And so I did that. (laughs) And then my dad was like, Jim, you realize what you just did is going to have all of them start throwing things off? I was like, no. And then like my little nephew, uh, Matt, who's like three, just comes running up the stairs ready with something to throw. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so I found myself having to go downstairs and apologize, actually repent to all my nephews and nieces. Why? Because their uncle Jim and their dad, for some of them, just disobeyed the very thing I was telling them not to do. (laughs) That's what we would call a hypocrite, right? The cool thing is, if you've played the hypocrite like me, and maybe with following Jesus, there's hope for you. Amen? We can repent. So these warnings are very serious. We want to take them seriously. If we're just not, if you're not following Jesus, and you're just kind of lip service, and like, I would encourage you, repent, and receive the grace and mercy that Jesus has for you. Um, and you can have it today. Amen? You don't have to wait. But yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, talk about feeling guilty immediately. But it was good. It was, uh, it was one that led me to repentance. Uh, Jesus convicts. He doesn't condemn. <laughs> we want to be like more like Jesus. So we want to honor God with our lips, our actions, but coming from our heart. John 14, 15 says this. It says, if you love me, and it's really neat, Marianne, the verse that you read this morning for the reflective reading, um, loving and commandments. But John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When it comes to being an obedient disciple of Jesus, it comes out of love. If you or I love Jesus, then we'll obey him. And John 15 or John 14 shows you, if you do not love Jesus, you will not obey him. Sometimes we like to separate the two, right? I love Jesus. I really do. Do you obey him? No. He has to obey me, though. I get to call the shots on what I do and where I go and who I become. But I'm not going to be obeying Jesus. But, man, I love him, and he loves me. We hear that a lot in our culture, right? We get to describe and figure out what love is and what it looks like. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments together. It's that loving, grace-filled obedience. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's transformative, actually. It's only possible, actually, with God's help in our life. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. When I was driving over to Maine, uh, we were going through Vermont, and uh, I remember uh, we stopped at this, this little park because we needed to use a restroom, so we we're looking around, and uh, uh, our kids were just playing outside, and uh, I was really tired. Driving with kids is, it was, it was really great. It's also exhausting, and so I was just kind of like, let's load up the kids again, Crystal. Let's get them back. We got to still keep driving, and, uh, and Crystal mentioned to me that, uh, that our kids actually had seen some people who are in the park, there's like a really big fountain, like drinking water out of like this like fountain. It wasn't meant for drinking water. It's like one the ones you throw pennies in and that kind of stuff. Um, and Crystal's like, I think those people need water. And I was like, meh, you know? I was just like, I wanna go, <laughs> you know? Like We all got problems, right? <laughs> I need to get a couple more hours in. And Crystal's like, I really think you need to go give those people some water. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I wanna be obedient. Caring for the poor, is that scriptural, amen? right? Those in need, right? I noticed that a lot of times, needs, uh, opportunities to bless people are not usually on my calendar. They're usually spontaneous interruptions that the Holy Spirit sets up. So my kids noticed it. Then they told Crystal, and Crystal told me. And so I got two water bottles. We had them in the car already, a lot of water bottles. I ran on over. Turns out the two people were homeless. And uh, I was like, hey, uh, would you 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 like some water? And they're like, oh, we'd love some water. And I felt like the Lord prompted me... um, Hey, is there any way I could be praying for you? Jesus always met, you know, both physical and spiritual needs. And so I was like, "Anyway I could be praying for you? And uh, one of the ladies, it uh, was a couple, but the lady's like, actually, I just got re-diagnosed with cancer last week, and uh, yeah, I could really use prayer for that. And uh, it was such a really cool God moment, because if I was just doing the normal religious thing, it would have been like, well, this is on vacation. I don't do ministry here, right? Isn't that on Sunday? Or at a youth group? Or a small group? But uh, if we're being led by Jesus and being obedient to him, because we love him, there's going to be opportunities all over the place. And so the lady's like, yeah, I love prayer. And like God just gave me a, I don't know, I felt like a, just the Holy Spirit's giving me like just a lot of faith to pray for her. And I was just praying. Uh, I have no clue what's going to happen, but I'm believing the Lord actually did a miracle in her life. Um, but I was just praying, uh, her name's Janet, but I was like, Janet, uh, I'm believing that God's going to heal you completely. And when he does, I want you to know the person that heals you, whose name is Jesus. Um, and so I was just praying for her in a park after uh, giving her some water. And I don't do this anyway to be like, oh, look what I've done, because honestly, I didn't even want to do this initially. But I was so thankful for my kids and my wife for being sensitive to a God moment where we had a, there was an obedient option. I could obey or I could choose not to. And I definitely have done both before. But it was an opportunity to help people who were thirsty, literally drinking water out of a fountain. that Obviously, was not healthy but also an opportunity to pray for people, let them see the love of Jesus. And I want to share that, because if we love Jesus, we'll keep his commandments. And if we love Jesus, we'll obey him when he has opportunities that come up that don't align with our calendar, amen? Because there's a lot of people hurting, a lot of people in need. If You look at our country, you look around the world. um, There's folks that may come to a church service, maybe once, a month or maybe once a week or something. There's a lot of people that will never come into a church building. But I just want to give us a strong encouragement as we're going out this week to be open that the Lord might use you and don't get lost in certain giftings or styles of people just to have compassion. Let's just talk about love. To have compassion and love on someone who may be shrinking from a water fountain, or maybe their car is not working, or maybe just needing a simple meal or an encouragement, or just a prayer. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are hurting. There's a lot of opportunities to show the love of Jesus around us. and I fully believe that God wants to use each one of us this week, amen? I fully do. There's people everywhere. And let me tell you, because I get this feedback sometime, Jim, nah, people up here are just not open to spiritual things. The world is so shaken right now with everything going on. There is an openness that I've never seen before. Um, I'll just let you know my goal is by the grace of God, I try to pray for someone every single day. There's people I don't know, um, and I don't say that at all, like the boasts or anything. I'm just saying there's there's such a need for people to know the love of Jesus. I would hate to waste even one opportunity where someone might be able to experience the love of Jesus. Just at a gas station yesterday, and I was talking to this other guy. He just started talking to me, and uh, we're talking about how the you know price of gas. you might go well get micro loans, right? Great way to start, you know? <laughs> and then he just kept sharing about just uh, recently, just his, uh, he, uh, he was a foster parent and an 18-year-old, 18-month-old baby adopted. And that uh, unfortunately, because of health issues, he just passed away at 19 years old. And I was thinking, man, this guy I would probably never see in a church service. But here I am at a pump, being able to listen to the guy's story of just losing a 19-year-old last week. I was thinking, God, You are so in control that you can line us up with people that we need to talk to. And all I had to do was listen. I just want to give these as encouragements that God is wanting those who will not just give blip service to him, but just be obedient. to Whatever you see the Father doing in heaven, bring it down to earth. Amen? Bring it down to earth. I want to invite up the musicians at this time. Uh, We're going to have an opportunity for a closing song and then a benediction uh, as we're we're wrapping up. We don't have to be a false follower of Jesus. We can be a true disciple. And that comes through the grace and the power of Jesus. It's an overflow, the desire to even want to love like God. It only comes through the power of Jesus. And once I said this before, if you find yourself that you were going through the motions, but your heart is far from God, like the older son and the prodigal son story, or like Judas following after Jesus, his heart was just far. Opportunity today. Lord, forgive me. Repent. Just like I did in that little way with throwing a cap off a balcony. Just repent. Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned. My heart is far from you. But God, would you give me a soft heart, a heart that would want to be near you and led by you and loved by you today?